Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 Before learning about Aviva IQ, I used to spend so much time managing my guest communications manually. Now, with Aviva IQ's easy-to-use automated service, my workload has reduced by 80%. Did I mention it's free? Automate your Airbnb messages now at www.avivaiq.com. Welcome, everybody, to the last episode of Get Paid for Your Pad in 2017. And I'm very excited that I can co-host this episode with Margo Schmorak, the co-founder and CEO of Hostfully. Margo, how are you? Great. 2017, almost almost done. <laughs> I can't believe it. This year just flew by. It has flown by. There were so many expectations for this year. And as my husband and I were talking about, it kind of went better than we thought it would. So <laughs> it's okay. been an okay year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they say that uh, time goes faster as you get older, and I, you know, I turned forty this year, so I can officially call myself old now. And I have to say, yeah, so far it's true. This year went by so fast. I, oh, really? You feel know, like that? That's yeah, it just it just seems like uh, a few months ago that uh, you know the start of the year where some changes came up with the, with the podcast. There were obviously the at the first sponsors, including you guys, of course. And, uh, and doing the two episodes a week and doing the news episodes, I, it just feels like it's just a few weeks ago that I, I started doing that. And now it's already been a year. Yeah. And it's been a great year. We're so happy to be part of this and we love doing the podcast. I hope the listeners do too. So if you guys have feedback on what it's been like to have us do this extra one and also partner up on it, we would love to hear that feedback. Let us know. Absolutely. I always love to hear feedback. I actually asked a lot of people that I interviewed about for feedback on the podcast. So I have some good things to improve on in 2018, but more about that later. In this episode, we are going to discuss this week's news. Well, there's not a lot of news, but uh, we did find one really interesting article where somebody analyzed over a thousand horror stories on Airbnb to kind of find out like what went wrong and how can you prevent it. And also he interviewed or, or asked a lot of travel bloggers who use Airbnb a lot for some recommendations on how to find a good host, which I think is really interesting uh, for us as hosts to look at as well, because of, of course those guests are the customers. So it's interesting to, to hear the tips from the, from the expert Airbnb users, so to speak. Um, but first, I wanted to quickly go into an, an article. So I'm in Ireland right now. I'm visiting my brother. He lives here. And we are actually staying at an Airbnb. And it's, it's a beautiful old Irish cottage uh, just on the riverside. It's, it's absolutely uh, marvelous. And I'm, I'm hoping to interview the, the host, actually. Um, she's out of town for a couple of days. But hopefully she'll, uh, I'll, I'll be able to interview her before she comes back. And uh, she's been an Airbnb host for a long time. 
And um, yeah, so it's really it's it's really great to be here in Ireland, even though the weather is not that great. But I always love coming to Ireland, and I accidentally or coincidentally, I saw an article in the Irish Times uh, from a few days ago where it says it's official: Irish people love using Airbnb. And so basically, there's been a study uh, which has uh, looked at the percentage of people in different countries using home sharing platforms and also other sharing platforms like ride sharing and stuff and uh, Ireland was uh, the Irish people are one of the one of the top users of the uh, of the Airbnb and other share, home sharing platforms you know as a percentage of the total population yeah it's one in five people in the country have booked accommodation on peer to peer websites that's 20% that is so high <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, that's just remarkable. I think it's really interesting. And it's the highest one, right? They looked at the whole European Union, which averaged around 17%. And yeah. Ireland was the highest, right? Uh, yeah, second highest. I think the UK came in on top with 34% of the population. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's oh right. yeah. And then Luxembourg is 22%. So it's like just, you know, same level as Ireland. But Luxembourg is so small, you know, I don't know if you should count that. Yeah, that's like a city, <laughs> basically. Wow, but even 34% for the UK. You know, it's interesting. When we started Hostfully and we talked to hosts from around the world, we, we went to Paris and met a lot of European hosts. We saw exactly how big the market is in Europe for home sharing and how a lot of holidays, um, which are like week-long holidays, weekend holidays, are spent in other people's homes. And it's very culturally norm normal to, to do that. In the US, it's such a different cultural attitude towards home sharing. Not that it's, you know, so negative, but it's just a it's just doesn't pop into people's minds as the first thing they're gonna do when they want to go on vacation with their family. Well, I could definitely see how Irish people would love it because, you know, here in Ireland, I think one of the most interesting things in, in this country is the is the pub culture. You know, the pubs mm -hmm. here, they're, they're, they're almost like a living room. You know, like everybody goes to the pub. There's no music in the pub. So people are, uh, or not, in most pubs, there's no music. So it's really a place for people to, to talk to each other. And there's, there's people from all different generations that hang out in the, in the pub. So it's like, you know, given that they're, uh, that they're so communal about, uh, you know, about, about going to the pubs. They don't spend their nights sitting in front of the TV watching some, some television, but they go to the pub to talk to each other and meet people. So mm -hmm. that makes sense to me. But, um, the one thing that I found interesting is that, you know, in the whole of Europe, uh, people, 70% of uh, people have used home sharing platforms, but only 8% have used transportation services such as Uber. Mm -hmm. And that, that that was a bit surprising to me because I kind of feel like everybody uses Uber or Lyft these days. But I guess it's uh, it's there's a lot of more people using uh, home sharing services like Airbnb. So I thought that mm -hmm. was interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I I I was shocked about that actually, and it especially given all the different urban environments there are across the European Union, I I was really surprised that um, the number was so low. Maybe it's because there's a solution too. Who knows? Yeah, that could be. It could also be that uh, I think Uber is not really, it's not legal everywhere in Europe. Like, for example, here in Ireland, I just checked. Mm -hmm. I can't order an Uber here. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Maybe it's not allowed here. I mean, I've definitely yeah. noticed that when I when I go to San Francisco or Los Angeles, I sometimes feel like I don't see any regular taxis anymore. I mean, I wonder if they still exist. 
Yeah. But that's definitely I, not the case in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. But then, yeah. that's definitely not the case here in Europe. Uh, you still see, you know, way more taxis on the road than in the US. So I guess that, I guess, I guess that makes sense then. Yeah. It also, you also, it also begs the question like whether the, the legal policies are managed on a local or national level. And then in Europe, since there's so many different countries and if they are managed on a national level, then those are all the different legal battles to fight separately. Um, you know, very relevant to kind of what Airbnb is trying to do too, right. To figure out how to manage through that. Um, but I think in the U S like there was a very early precedent nationally that Uber was quote unquote legal. And then, uh, there were smaller legal, legal battles to fight in cities, but, um, nobody took, you know, nobody really took Uber to task or Lyft to task when it came to a national policy for, for, um, ride sharing. So it's interesting that, that the legal policies really come into play for growth. And that's something that we can talk about later, but, um, it's, it, it actually has been surprising to me being in the private sector, exactly how important those policies are and how they can make or break companies, you know, depending on how that all plays out. Absolutely. That's an interesting topic. But let's go to the article that we're going to talk about most of this podcast, which is the the research that was done on the Airbnb horror stories. Now, it seems like recently these stories are just popping up everywhere uh, in like Facebook groups. Like people are posting a lot of negative experiences. And uh, I've, I've even seen uh, some comments in some of the Facebook groups where people are saying, "Oh, these are these stories aren't real, and you know these are these are people working for the hotel industry trying to you know, create a bad image about Airbnb." Now, I, I don't know if that's the case, but but in any case, I think the the study that was done was actually was actually quite interesting. I mean, we usually don't talk too much about the you know the horror stories because they already get enough attention in the media, but. But this research was actually quite interesting. So they analyzed mm-hmm. 1,021 horror stories. This guy actually did some pretty, you know, some pretty good research, actually, I, I, I would say. Like, it's a very long blog post that he wrote and lots of uh, references. And um, I think he did a, did a very good job. And so really the question is, for, for us as hosts, the most important question is, you know, what can we learn from these stories? I think let's let's first go into some of the some some interesting statistics. Um, so they looked at all these horror stories and they kind of categorized them. And basically, mm-hmm. you know, the question is, okay, what what went wrong, right? And so the main categories are, you know, the host cancels the stay. Now that's obviously really annoying when you're a traveler and you book your your Airbnb and then a couple of days before you you arrive, suddenly your stay is canceled. I totally imagine that's a, you know, that's obviously a very, creates a very bad experience and and that's I think why Airbnb really penalizes hosts who do cancel uh, stays. And I, I think that's, uh, that's warranted. So that's the first category, 20%. Um, then there's scams, 15%. So the scams are still happening on Airbnb quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. There's uh, there's hosts who will tell the guests that they uh, they have to pay outside of the Airbnb platform. And, and then mm-hmm. you know, and suddenly the listing disappears and, and the guest doesn't get to stay somewhere. And then there's the, the third one is unsafe conditions, bug infestations, uh, broken amenities, uh, hostile or mm-hmm. intimidating host, hidden cameras in the bedroom. I think there's been a little stories about hidden cameras recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, those obviously, uh, I mean, there's not that much to, to learn from. Uh, but the next category is not as described. 
Um, that's interesting. That's one of the, this is number four category. So photos don't match reality. Location is different from map, missing amenities, accommodation isn't clean. I think uh, the lesson to learn from that is, um, we've talked about this quite often is, you know, how important it is to create a very accurate representation of what the experience is going to be like. And the, you know, photos don't match reality is an interesting one because recently I, I interviewed, uh, uh, John from uh, San Diego and he actually, he actually, uh, specifically took photos on his, on his, uh, on the smartphone because he, he said, you know, I don't want my place to look better than it really is. And when I take, when I use the Airbnb photos, the prof- the photos that are taken by professional photographers, then it kind of just makes it look, be- look better than it is. So I thought, you know, that, that's an mm-hmm. interesting point. And we'll get to that as well later in this article. There's another point that was being made on, on the, on the photos. Now, missing amenities. You know, that's, that I actually have one experience with that. You know, I have a mobile air conditioning unit in my, in my house. And so when you, when I created my listing, I was very excited that I could kind of tick off that little box. But then, uh, but later I realized when I, I had somebody stay in my place and, and that person was saying, well, you know, I'm in the US. If, if it says you have air conditioning, that means it's, it's full on integrated air conditioning in, in the house, right? It's not like a mobile unit that you have to mm-hmm. move around and stuff. And so that person wasn't very happy. Mm-hmm. I, had to, I had to re, I actually ended up refunding the person, like, I don't know, 30 or 40% or something. So that was a lesson learned for me. It's like, don't put the amenity, don't, don't try, don't see amenities as, you know, let's see how, how can I tick off as many as possible and be kind of creative about what, you know, whether that's realistic or not, or whether it's accurate or not. Yeah. I think this um, accurate representation thing is so important. It can be not just the listing, but it also can be the, the host. Um, so I have a personal story about this, which I feel kind of embarrassed talking about because I never reported it on the Airbnb platform. And then I was kicking myself later, but I went to stay with someone in Hawaii and the host was a woman because I was a single, I was, I'm, I'm not single, I'm married, but I was traveling alone and I wanted to make sure to stay with a woman. And it ended up being that she, as soon as I got there, she said, Oh, my boyfriend will meet you in the lobby and let you up to the apartment. And then he brought me up to the apartment. And then he told me that she wouldn't be back for two days. And I was shocked and really mad um, because I never would have booked that place if I would have known it would have, would have been a guy, especially a single guy. And I didn't even know this guy's name. So, I mean, I had no recourse with like reporting something if it was fishy. And I'm not a fearful person, but it was really, really bad. It was a really bad experience. And uh, it ended up being that he was on the phone in the middle of the night in the living area. And it was right next to my door. So I could hear him talking to somebody like on the other side of the planet. And it was just awkward. Um, So I think that 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 not as described thing goes, you know, for all aspects of the place. And you just never want to overstate it. Like, if the if the same host would have said, sometimes I'm not in town, and my boyfriend, whatever his name is, will be there, it would have increased my trust level a lot. And even if I wouldn't have been so happy that it was that other person, at least I would have had a heads up that that might happen. Um, so yeah, that that accurate description is really important. Right. So as as hosts, we should always make it very very clear as to who is the actual host, and if there's someone somebody else at the place then uh, we should always let our guests know. Hosts, if you're anything like me, you have multiple standard messages you send to every guest. I used to copy-paste those messages every time I had a new guest. 
but then I learned about Aviva IQ, and I'm an absolute fan. I copied my repeatable messages into Aviva IQ and told it when I want each message to be delivered. Now, all my guests get personalized check-in messages and personalized check-out messages at the exact time I want them to, automatically. I also use Aviva IQ to send a message to guests when a vacancy exists after their scheduled checkout day and invite them to stay longer. It's amazing how it's turned into free money for me on multiple occasions already. So sign up for free at www.avivaiq.com. You'll be glad you did. The last item in the not as described category accommodation isn't clean well i think that's a you know that's a pretty obvious one always have to have very clean spaces oh and then there's one other one location is different from the map well you know i've noticed that's sometimes the case but it's kind of hard to fix it sometimes especially if you're in Mm. a kind of a remote area Sometimes the map just Mm -hmm. puts the pin on a different location. I had this problem too when I first started hosting. On the map, my listing was was shown, I I would say like five or six blocks away from where I was actually living. Mm. And I remember some of the guests, uh, some of my earliest guests actually mentioned it. I I managed to get it fixed later, but it took a bit of back and forth with Airbnb until they they finally fixed it. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of... Yeah, that's something that that Airbnb has to has to make sure it works, because I can imagine that you know that's something that I could see myself not be happy about if you want to stay in a certain neighborhood and suddenly you're like five blocks <laughs> five blocks away from it. Yeah, on on that specific point, um, when we launched Hostfully, the app that we use, we also have a map and we have you put your address in and. It's it's surprising how many addresses don't come up in the right place on Google Maps. And so we actually built in our very first round of like edits on top of the app. It was like in, you know, if it was V1.0, it was like V1.1. The V1.1 release allowed for geolocation coordinates to be entered in instead of the Google mapping because we we had a lot of customers who actually were using Hostfully specifically because the map wasn't showing properly in Airbnb and they needed an alternative way to show that location in a, in a correct way. Um, it was surprising that that was one of the first things that we had to fix because it just was like something we assumed would be working for everybody. Um, you think Google Maps is pretty pretty much covers the, the whole planet by now, right? Pretty accurately. But there's a lot actually that doesn't work. So um, that was one of our first edits for the original app when we launched way back in 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you would definitely expect yeah. that that would work, right? Let's uh, jump to the <laughs> no. next section. So, okay, so the other interesting thing is uh, this guy, he interviewed a bunch of travel bloggers, uh, a whole lot of them, actually, I think about 50 or so. And these are these are all people that, that travel a lot and they use Airbnb all the time. And he asked them for their recommendations as to how to find a good place to stay on Airbnb. How do you find a good host? And so it's kind of interesting to to hear the experts of on the other side of the equation, on the on the travel side, to hear their recommendations on how to find an, a good Airbnb, right? So let's let's just look at the at sort of the top ten of the tips that these travel bloggers came up with. So the first one is and so these are recommendations for people who want to use Airbnb to find a good place to stay, right? 
So the first recommendation is never book a place with zero reviews. Always go for a place that has a lot of reviews. And also focus on the the 10 most recent reviews. So don't just look at the, you know, the ones that are, that are from uh, a long time ago because, you know, things that might have changed. So I, 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 you know, that's a, I guess that's a pretty obvious one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I actually have a, a little note on this so that if you are a host who's like expanding your set of properties, um, one of the things that we, we've we done, because I've stayed in quite a few listings in general, is that if I see one with zero reviews and the a host comments in the description that they have other listings and to look there, oftentimes I'll go and look at the other listings and if those reviews are good – then I will um, contact the host and and just ask specifically, is this the you know are you is this a new listing? And they'll say yes, and and I really appreciate when they say yes. And I'm still working out the kinks, and you'd be one of the first guests to stay. But if you look at my profile and my reviews from my other listings, they're really positive. That I've been happy to take a chance because I can usually get it at a better price. So I think this is a great tip for travelers. But on the host side, I think there are ways to be really upfront about. Um, new listings and how to get it and then very very clear ways to get around that too you know what i mean so it's not just like you're going to be screwed if it's a new listing right yeah 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 absolutely let's see so the next point is uh is interesting the next recommendation is examine whether and how hosts respond to negative reviews if they are defensive not constructive they are best avoided mm-hmm. you know this is an interesting topic because I remember one of the first articles that I wrote about Airbnb after I started hosting was, you know, I, I got a negative review and uh, I, after I calmed down, I ended up uh, giving a very sort of understanding like response to it. And I, and, and then I kind of realized that it, it could actually help me. You know, if you have a lot of positive reviews, then getting one bad review and being able to respond to it in a professional way and not being defensive actually shows a lot of good qualities uh, for, you, for you as a host. So I, I think that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's that's like a lesson in, in business management too, right? Like oftentimes like making a mistake and then doing the right things to fix it will actually end up in a better customer relationship than if you never made the mistake at all. And right. it's, it's counterintuitive because it's all about how you respond and your thoughtfulness and, and actions that you take when you do respond. Like even this story about the air conditioning, like I think if potential customers heard that, they would feel comforted because they would say, oh, this is a person who really takes their customer seriously and they take their thoughts seriously yeah. versus if you had never made that mistake at all. So I think, I think every mistake or every negative review is a real, really big opportunity yeah. to, to improve things. Of and course, I, sometimes you have these crazy people, but yeah. But I also <laughs> that's think, hard too. That's hard to manage. I also think that people realize that you know some people it's just really hard to make them happy. Like if I see an Airbnb listing with like fifteen or twenty very positive reviews, and I see one guy going like, "Oh, this is this place is terrible," I kind of automatically assumed, "Oh yeah, that's you know that's the one." out of 20 people who's just never happy. Yeah, exactly. So even if it's even if it's 5 out of 50, you still sort of write them off, right? Cuz you're like, mm. "Oh, they just wanted to complain or they were having a bad day or whatever." Right. And then and then you look down and you see the host response and if the host response is 
dear so-and-so, I'm so sorry that you were disappointed with your stay with us. Like, you know, we, we hear the things we did to try to make it up to you. And, you know, please let us know if we can do anything else. Like then, then you're just writing them off even more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Crazy, I mean, so. I mean, yeah. I think that's adding a lot of, uh, it's positive for your listing, right? Mm-hmm, Very positive. Definitely. So I think it's, uh, yeah, that's great. But anyway, the, I guess the takeaway is if you uh, if you get your first negative review, don't panic because it could actually help you. Just stay calm. Yes. Write a pos- you know professional response, and and it's all good. Um, another another uh, recommendation is low quality photos taken by the hosts are more trustworthy than professional shots. So this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about having an accurate representation of your listing, not having professional photos might, you know, might actually not be a bad thing after all. And then uh, one other recommendation, if you're a single woman, maybe best to stay with a female host. It's kind of, that's what you were mm-hmm. talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And then another one, interesting one is avoid hosts who have more than a couple of properties listed, professional mm-hmm. Airbnb landlords. So they, they recommend stay with somebody yeah. who had one listing because that's, that's somebody who, you know, who's hosting for the experience. And it's not just, uh, uh, some landlord who uh, uses Airbnb as a, as a marketing channel. Yes, I totally agree with this. I think, I think this one especially is relevant at the lower price points. Um, because at the higher price points, you can sort of be rest assured that if people gave positive reviews and they got what value they wanted to get out of the experience, but the lower price points, like the very low end, right? Like if in the U S you get something 50, $60 a night or $70 a night, um, then you're going to be basically looking at two different sets of hosts. One is people who have a very modest apartment. They, they host, they just have one listing and they're going to take really good care of it. And then you're looking at the multiple property landlord, Airbnb landlord type units. And in my experience, sometimes you can't find the first. So you have to go with the second one. So I think there still are ways, like I said before, if you have multiple properties to to do a good job managing that. I mean, using tools like Hostfully are, is a great way to do that because you can really make your listing stand out when you show people that you're putting extra effort into the listing. But really basic things like keeping it really clean, um, you know, at a, at a $60 price point, like you're willing to be kind of flexible about the quality level and having a really high standard when it comes to cleanliness um, can go a long way for those really basic listings. Absolutely. Now, there's some other pieces of advice, documents, anything that goes wrong with photo evidence. I think that applies to both guests and hosts. And then another recommendation is uh, whenever possible, use Superhost because these are experienced hosts who rarely cancel, respond quickly, and have at least 80% five-star reviews, which is a fair, fair advice as well. So, yeah, so some interesting stuff there. And we've come to the end of this podcast, the last one in 2017. The next podcast on Monday, it will be January 1st, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so thanks so much, uh, Margot, for today. And, and thank you, guys. Uh, it's been a great year of cooperation together in this, on this podcast. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I hope everybody uh, who's listening, I hope you enjoyed all the podcasts of this year. And in 2018, I will aim to make it even better. So Great. Yeah, and uh, happy holidays to everybody who's celebrating. And if you're listening this week, I hope you have a really – relaxing and peaceful time off. It's a really nice downtime for most people um, in, in the United States and, and I think in the Western world. So it's it's a great time to kind of recharge and and be thoughtful. And I hope everybody's having a peaceful and healthy and relaxing time doing that. 
Absolutely. So everybody, happy new year, and we'll be back in 2018 on January 1st. So I hope to see you back next year. And thank you for listening. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.